0: Hi, this is B. Scott of The B. Scott Show and people call me the queen of tea. And the reason why they call me the queen of tea is because I was one of the first ones doing it. I started blogging back in 2005 and we do everything and give you everything in celebrity news and entertainment. We go to lovebscott.com, we pull off the hottest topics and we pull those topics off based upon what are the stories that people have been interacting with that week. And we bring it to you on the show, we discuss it, we give you exclusive information. So I was the one that broke their exclusive about Gabrielle Union leaving America's Got Talent because of all these issues she was experiencing. I give you exclusive after exclusive of the Housewives of Atlanta. I was one that broke their exclusive about J-Lo and Shakira not getting along at the Super Bowl. So pause the show that you're listening to. Head over to wherever you listen to podcasts. It's free. Any platform that you're using to listen to your podcast, you can find the Beast Guy show for free. So why not give the Beast Guy show a try and let me give you all the tea you need to know.
1: Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week got a love quandary head to my website shallonlester.com to get connected and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it and follow me on instagram at shallonxo and find me on youtube for four new videos a week welcome back to the podcast shalloners now before we begin, we gotta do our relaxation ritual So we're gonna drop our shoulders. We're just going to be present in the moment. Relax our ears. Take our tongue from the roof of our mouth and breathe deep into our belly. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. One more time. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. now now our mind is right to receive the message and the people saying hallelujah so our first question is about family obligations and chinchillas Kate said I recently came across your channel and I love it I'm a pet sitter a chinchilla mom and a freelancer I live at home since I plan to be gone half the year doing work and stuff anyway one of my cousins is engaged we don't really know each other though I have zero desire to go to this wedding However, my mom doesn't understand that working from home is still work and she expects me to take her. I told her I am not going to this wedding but she still is like insisting that we go. The wedding's in North Carolina and my mom has rheumatoid arthritis so she kind of does need someone to go with her. But she has tons of siblings. I have so many aunts and uncles who could come help her get there, but they won't. It's a three hour drive for me, please help. Oof, yeah. This is a pickle, on one hand I'm a big believer in not having to do things you generally don't want to do, especially if they're going to be expensive and time consuming. But on the other, if your mom is somewhat disabled and has to go with someone, that does kind of change the situation. And working from home is still work, of course. But family is still family. And you know that's got to come before work. But maybe break it down to your mom in terms of cost-benefit analysis. If she doesn't really see that like work from home is work, break it down. Say something like, if I go, this is how much money I'm going to lose on projects and freelance work. Because she might just be seeing a few hours and a few days as like no big deal and not factoring in the domino effect this could have on your finances and business opportunities. And explain that to other family members as well who aren't stepping up to the plate. This is the script. Hey, this isn't just me being a brat. This is going to cost me $1,000 in addition to what I'm going to spend Going to this wedding, paying for the hotel, gas, the dress, and I really can't afford that loss of income right now. I would really appreciate it if someone could step up and take mom to this wedding instead of me. And you know what, girl? If that doesn't work, you might just have to suck it up and go. Because one thing with families, they have a really long memory. And the nagging, like the nagging until the day you die that you might experience if you don't go might just be more stressful than, you know, gritting your teeth and going anyway. So. It's annoying, but if that happens, just know that you're earning some extra brownie points the next time your mom tries to guilt trip you, you can use this as an example of how devoted you really are. Courtney submitted this question, and it has a subject line, am I the problem? Oof, isn't that a terrible thing to think? So, Shallon, I was engaged to a diagnosed narcissist. I was abused very badly, and I have a hard time distinguishing between me being the problem or not. Like, I just don't know. But my new boyfriend of five years is absolutely A+. But he's almost OCD. I work so hard to help around the house while he's working. And in school, I work like a 10-hour day at my own job, went to the store, and then came home and cleaned like crazy. I didn't sit down until 8.30 PM. That was a 15-hour day. He came home, though, and nitpicked small things on the counter that normal people would not consider a problem. I do so much for him and can't take the constant not good enough that I'm getting. I've tried talking to him. He doesn't get it. Hmm. So when we find ourselves entangled with a narcissist, like your ex was, it's never just them or just us. You know what I mean? It's a combination. Because no one is a criminal without a victim. And in an emotional relationship, we tend to victimize ourselves by giving someone the benefit of the doubt, staying longer in a relationship when the writing is on the wall, and all of these just little micro concessions that embolden them to be terrible and create this dynamic of allowance. Basically, what we permit, we promote. So the way to get over this is to take a really good hard look at your role do an autopsy of the relationship from the very beginning from what state of mind you were in when you started dating someone who may have been full of some pretty big red flags from the outset but you were still willing to go all in to all the little things you did that went against your better judgment once we learn we can move on as for this new guy i mean i guess it's not really new because it's five years i do think it's interesting to describe this guy as an A plus, but then go on to say he constantly leaves you feeling like you're not good enough and exhausts you physically and emotionally. That is not A plus to me. But after we date someone super toxic and abusive, anyone who isn't exhibiting those exact abuses, we tend to say is a wonderful person, this is, this is a better relationship and it might be better But that doesn't always mean it's still good enough. Like, he might not get an F if we're using grades, like your ex. But I don't think he's earning an A+. And relationships aren't always pass-fail. Like, there's a range of satisfactory in there, right? Especially, look, this is my big issue. If you already talked to him about this, told him how this is making you feel, and nothing changes, it's not that he doesn't get it. It's that he doesn't care. So you're gonna to have to ask yourself how satisfied you're going to be if this relationship keep, keeps on going the way it is now because it will. The predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And if you would call his attention to something that you find hurtful and unsatisfying and his response is basically a shrug, I mean, that is what it is. He heard you, he does not care. And remember, dating is not a binary choice. I hear this all the time and I fall into this trap. Well, is it my ex or is this new guy? Is it this or is it that? There, there's more than two choices. There's eight billion choices. There's literally eight billion choices. So I guarantee you that you can find someone who is a good fit, but first of all, you have to take a step back and analyze whether or not what you're getting is truly an A+. This next question is really interesting. Katie had an ex who she said was addicted to meth, super abusive and this guy came and swooped in and basically saved her and she was just like oh my god i love you you're so fantastic and nothing really happened like with them physically And one night she asked if she could kiss him and he said yes but it didn't go further than that and they never spoke of it again he said at the time you know i think i'm kind of still in love with my ex and i want to give it a chance here's where her question begins so we never brought up our relationship again but he always made me feel like we were on the cusp of something Now his innocent looking narcissistic ex is back and she's his nearest and dearest and suddenly I'm chopped liver. They just look so codependent. Like he's like a little boy waiting for mom to come home, but he just won't admit it. He blew me off to have lunch with her on Monday and I just like chewed him out over text. Then he blocked me on Facebook. So I blocked him on Instagram. Then the ex posted a picture of them both having fun that night. That's the only time she's ever even mentioned him on her social media. Like. What do I do? How do I light him up? I'm so mad. Okay. This is a case. I'm going to break this down. This is a case of being mad a guy isn't cheating. This is a he's not cheating on his girlfriend and you're mad about it. You know, when we trauma bond. <clears throat> and I'm glad you called this out because that's exactly what it is. It's very astute of you. This is trauma bonding in that when you date someone abusive you are looking for any sort of getaway car you can possibly find any sort of getaway car especially if it's like a handsome caring man who's whisking you out of the situation right and maybe he did lead you on maybe he did but things change sometimes things fall apart and a lot of times people really do have to get on the cusp of something before they realize they're not ready or they want their ex back or whatever it is. But when we see that the writing's on the wall like that, we have to bow out gracefully and settle for a friendship. And if we can't, that's okay. But we have to remove them from our lives and not in this dramatic, painful, blocking each other back and forth kind of way. It's not healthy and it's just going to make you miserable. Because breaking down this message, it's like, oh, like his ex is back and like they look happy. And how dare she post a picture? It's her boyfriend. That's her boyfriend. He didn't blow you off, he, he went out with his girlfriend. And th- you want a guy to behave like that, you know? If he was dating her and dating you, like that is that is not good either. And like we just said, it's just because we're not with our ter- deeply terrible traumatic ex doesn't mean that the person we're now with is like measurably better. They might just be bad in a different way or maybe a sort of less terrible way. So speaking of exes the real source of pain here is from your ex it's either the dynamic that you guys had or you're mad at yourself that you stayed too long when it was painfully obvious what he had devolved into but in order to really heal and move on from this and not just keep re-trauma bonding with new people and like monkey vining from like savior to savior which i have done every single one of us has done that's really where you have to start like get into some therapy go to some like Codependent relationship, Al-Anon, you know, meetup groups. These things are really helpful because it's, I think you're underestimating what that addiction behavior did to you and the trauma that it had. And so once you can see that so much of the pain you're going through is precipitated from that, you won't be so focused on this guy, this new dude. You will see him as the getaway car that he is. And you know the thing about cars? There's a lot of them.
0: Hi, I'm Hayley. And I'm Kat. And together we make Beauty News. So Beauty News is a podcast where we discuss new release makeup and beauty products.
1: We can be quite rough on the new releases, but
0: that's because we buy a lot of makeup,
1: we use a lot of makeup, and we would like to cut out the
0: trash. So if you want to keep up to date with the makeup releases and occasionally hear us rant and rave about things that we don't like, mm-hmm. um, we are here every week. So grab yourself a glass of wine, put the kids to bed and come check us out. You
1: can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Let's have a good time. Beauty news. Beauty news, yeah. Nicole is dealing with something pretty intense she said shallon i've recently come to the conclusion that i probably i thought things were getting better but he just did something that was extremely toxic and should be the final straw the problem is that when i've tried to break up with him before he's threatened me mostly mentally and emotionally and wreaked havoc on my life he'll contact people that have bullied me in the past and try to spread detrimental rumors about me to try to get them to ruin my reputation how do i leave someone that i'm afraid of and peacefully exit an emotionally abusive relationship oh jesus christ imagine imagine calling up people calling your boyfriend's enemies their ex abusers and be like hey can you abuse them again can you like can you just like bully him again because he wants to leave me what the fuck? Kind, what kind of asshole even dreams up something like that truly like I'm pretty evil and like that's that's pretty next level. People like him though are essentially control freaks. He's doing something called frustration behavior, so he's lashing out because he's losing control, right? And when people like him feel like they don't have control over their possession, you, and like this is all humans, this isn't specific to you, <clears throat> they become desperate, right? And desperate people are dangerous. So you need to form a plan to safely get away from him. Get your friends on board and warn them what he might do. Have an army of supporters in place to combat what he might do for you and to you so you don't have to be on the front line of this, right? Then make what I call a mind map of behaviors and reactions. If he does X, I react with Y. Enlist a really level-headed friend and literally go through all the possibilities, from messaging your bullies like, oh my god, literally, they're like, who cares about them? They're already your enemies. So what are they going to do, be like more of your enemy? If people are listening to them or the rumors in general, then they're not on your team either. And you don't need to waste energy trying to convert the non-believers, you know? So he might contact the bullies to something really more extreme, like showing up at your house and slapping you across the face or holding your belongings hostage. Then you decide what your response is going to be. Is it, I'm gonna call the cops? I'm gonna block his number? I'm gonna tell his parents? Come up with a reaction and remember, remember, more often than not no reaction is the right course and i I mean that people like this they wear themselves out and they're feeding off a reaction he needs control and he will move on to another source so that he can control to like if you prove excuse me if you prove to be a brick wall who won't engage icing him out across the board blocking block him on everything that is truly going to be the most effective and that you stick to it though girl But if you are going to react, you make it big. Big. And not just big, insulated behind people with actual power. The police. You file a cease and desist with the lawyer. Stuff like that. So mind mapping all this stuff is going to help cut the terror factor. You won't constantly be on edge about what if this, what if that. If you have a playbook, a map, you're like, okay, this has happened. I have already emotionally taken myself there and mentally mapped out this territory. So now I just put the reactions into place. But here's another thing. It is crucial that he does not know where you are all the time. You stay off social media. You turn off Snap Map. The three weeks after a woman leaves an abusive man are the most dangerous three weeks of her life. So this is when catastrophic violence occurs. So get out of town. And like, I don't mean go to your mom's. He knows where your mom lives, okay? You go to a motel in Canada, and I know what you're thinking. That's gonna be expensive, I shouldn't have to do that. I know that, I know that. This isn't about what's fair. None of this is fair, okay? You can be right or happy. You can be right, but I shouldn't have to leave, so I'm gonna stay home and I shouldn't have to stay off social media. All right, yeah, you can be right and you can be dead right. You owe it to yourself to insulate yourself from someone who is extremely dangerous. Well, we talked about a wedding, so it's only right we talk about a funeral. Caitlin said, I'm 31 and my boyfriend's and the first two years, everything in our relationship was fantastic. I was happier than I've ever been. But then, right after two years, his mother passed away very suddenly. And everything in our relationship totally, totally changed. I hope that slowly he would start coming back to some of his old self, but I feel like he's taken away all forms of his affection. There's no sex, there's no words of affirmation, no deep conversations, just nothing. He's a shell of who he was, and it's miserable, and I feel so lost, and I don't know what to do. Oof. I actually had a friend who went through this. Her husband, like, was just so fun, they were so engaged, they were the best. And then right after they got married, his mom died super suddenly. And it's just like he's never really been the same. And on one hand, you think, I mean, this isn't what I signed up for. But on the other, like, for better or for worse, right? And even though you guys aren't married, I'm sure you do feel incredibly devoted to him. But devotion needs to be a two-way street. He has needs, but you do too. Have you sat down and really talked to him about this, though? Grief is extremely difficult and it certainly is not linear. It comes in waves. It's all over the place. But grief is also going to be worse if it isn't managed. And people don't think that it is manageable. You know, they think it's just this thing that's happening to you and you can barely put one foot in front of the other. And in so many ways, I mean, it is absolutely. But people can take like. They can really sort of collapse into grief if they don't take steps to keep their life moving forward in a healthy way. And very often, it can tip into clinical depression. And then you got a whole other problem. And look, the amount of time you grieve for someone has nothing to do with how much you love them. There isn't a certain mourning period that you're required before you're allowed to have a little fun and get on with your life. You carry this person in your heart. You carry them in your memories. And you honor them every single day. And if anything, you honored them the most by living your best life. So I think he needs to be in some sort of grief support group or therapy. He's clearly stuck in all aspects of his life. And yeah, at this point, he might be actually clinically depressed. And I think it's going to be healthy for you to be in therapy as well. You have unknowingly become this sort of emotional caregiver the same way someone becomes a physical caregiver if there was a physical disability. And any sort of caregiver role is extremely draining. There's all this guilt. Well, I can't. how could I go out with my friends when he's suffering? How could I ask anything of him? But you aren't hired to be his caregiver. You're his girlfriend. And like I said, that's got to be a two-way street. <clears throat> You've probably also taken on this mother role in his life. And believe me, I say it all the time, the parent-child dynamic is not a fun one. So the idea of therapy might seem overwhelming to him. So maybe just start with couples counseling together or just attend a grief support group with him for the first few weeks until he feels a bit more comfortable. But if he isn't taking the reins after a little while, then like the writing might be on the wall in terms of what he's now in this current, but I mean, ostensibly ongoing self capable of giving you in your relationship. My motto is, all you can do is all you can do. You can't live his life for him, you can't make him better, but you also can't dial down what you need and require in a relationship to feel whole and loved and safe and productive. You can't dial this down for anyone else. Even if what they're going through is no fault of their own, it's also no fault of yours.